Chapter 3. My Origin Story Each of us has our own origin story. This is mine. My step one, desire. It's something I still want to this day. I want to be Superman. For real. I want to save the world. I want to be a force for good in this ever-changing and increasingly unapathetic place we live in. So I wanted to plug myself in here because as I kind of read this out loud, I'm thinking something about this uh, this idea of uh, me being Superman and me kind of inserting myself. Now, I think later in the book, I say, give a voice to the voiceless, right? That's like my, that's my goal in coming to LA and using stories to do that. Uh, and as I mature, there's something that uh, I kind of better understand, which is kind of this savior complex, this like, uh, I'm going to come in with my privilege and save those that can't save themselves. So I understand that there that could be like somewhat problematic uh, in, in some sense, but I want to kind of refocus and in case that is kind of rubbing anybody the wrong way, the idea of this is is not necessarily that I am the hero in other people's stories. I want to, in this sense, uh, my goal, my origin story, my goal to be Superman is to be Superman to for myself. It's not necessarily that I want to insert myself as Superman into other people's lives. It's that in my own story, I want to be the hero of my own story. I want to be in control of how I view myself and everyone else has kind of their own line of comic books, if you will. They're their own hero in their own story. And so how I show up in their stories is going to be completely different. So uh, I didn't really get that in this book. That wasn't something that I really got across. And so, um, you know, maybe in, maybe in version two, but for now it's going to land here in the director's cut. Okay, back to it. One of the most efficient and effective ways to do this is through storytelling. If you can tell the stories and perspectives of different kinds of people, empathy will follow. Movies, TV, books, and podcasts, I could impact millions by telling engaging and exciting stories that reflect positivity. This is something I'm still working on. My step two, roadblocks. So, what was standing in the way? Well, a lot of things. Over the years, the barriers in my life have manifested themselves in many different things over time. Money, confidence, fear, anxiety, a lack of understanding, but for the most part, it boiled down to experience. I just didn't know how to make anything at all. I knew I wanted to make movies, podcasts, and write books, but I had no clue where to even start. How am I supposed to change the world if I didn't know how to tell a good story? How am I supposed to be a force for good and tell great stories if no one cares about what I do or say? How will people care about what I do or say if I haven't done anything of note in my life? So, after a long talk with my wife, it was decided. We were going to move to Los Angeles, and I would go to film school. That's it. That was the answer. Go to film school, work on movies, gain a reputation, and then change the world. As easy as one, two, three, four. A year later, after saving up some money, I packed up my car and made the 11-hour drive down to the City of Angels. My goal was to find an apartment, get a job, and then my wife would quit her job in Utah and make the move herself. So, I went to work. I found an apartment in about five days. The job part took a little bit more time. 
I applied to over 1,000 jobs in about a year. In that time, I got three interviews and eventually landed a part-time, low-paying, stressful role. My first job in LA was for a self-help and relationship coaching couple. They underpaid me and overworked me. I was their producer, editor, personal assistant, babysitter, and anything else that they needed. I would help them shoot, edit, and sell their relationship coaching e-courses one day, and then pick up their dry cleaning, do their grocery shopping, and take their kids to school the next day. And I later came to find out that they paid me under minimum wage for the county that they lived in. And as difficult as that job was, the broad nature of it actually helped me discover my superpowers. My step three, powers. You see, being everything for this couple helped me quickly understand what I was good at and what I was terrible at. So after a year of working as a catch-all, I discovered my greatest superpower, at least at the time. I found that I can frickin' hustle. Call it stamina, grit, gumption, ambition, energy, vigor, heart, or what I personally call it, passion. Passion is my superpower. It motivates me, inspires me, and gives, gets me out of bed in the morning. It makes me work harder, love deeper, and never give up. But most of all, the reason it is indeed a superpower is that it attracts people to me. People love me, and I love people. All kinds of people. Nerds, jocks, emo kids, and educators. The old, the young, the wise, and the, well, not so wise. And here's the thing. It's not that this hectic job is what gave me the superpower. No, no. It merely made me aware of it. Many of us have talents and abilities that are truly super, and we don't even realize it. I've always attracted people to me. Once I hit high school, I never belonged to just one clique. I played sports and joined the chess club. I did debate, choir, and was in the orchestra. I danced at high school dance, dances and chatted with the quiet kids in the corner. The way I saw it, if so many things can bring so many people joy, then why would I not try everything? Everything has worth. I can learn and laugh with anybody. No one is more worthy of my time than anyone else. I just had a passion for having fun and helping others do the same. This passion broke down the personal barriers of so many around me. It was this passion that led me to where I am today. Like I said, a superpower. My step four, small potatoes. I used this passion for making friends and attracting talented people. These gifted people were some of the most creative individuals I had ever met. I saw their talent and immediately hitched my wagon to theirs. Together, we scrapped, fought, and made something out of nothing. We made podcasts, wrote books, and tried to learn as much as possible from each other. It was a time I will look back on with genuine admiration. Why? Because none of us knew what we were doing, and we did it anyway. It was my training camp. It may not have been the League of Assassins to teach me, but we certainly thought we were pretty hardcore. I was using my superpower of passion in the best way I knew how, to motivate talented people to create content that I could then promote. And I am proud of this work. I am honored to have worked with these creative and imaginative people. I am humbled thinking back and realizing how much these friends trusted me with their work. But no matter how I used my powers back then, few people seemed to listen. And I felt like the weak link. The superpowers of the creative people I worked with were on full display in their work, but it was on me who couldn't build an audience. 
I didn't know how to best impact the world using my powers. I had some successes, but nothing like what we were really hoping for. Few would listen to the stories we were telling. And it wasn't because the stories were bad. These were exciting, unique, engaging stories with lovable characters in uniquely relatable situations. I will always stand by what we made. Our podcasts, Under the Citadel and Elliot Tree's Compendium of Mysteries, quick plug, are great. No doubt about it. But after minimal success, it kind of felt like I was using my superpowers in ways that didn't maximize their potential. I knew that the talents of everyone around me were serving the world at the level I knew they could. As hard as this was, it wasn't the failure that hurt. It was the ripple effect that failure was causing. My wife has always believed in and supported me no matter what. She has both followed me with faith and been my fearless leader. She has lifted me up and let me carry the load. We make a pretty good team, but at this time we were broken. No, there weren't any marital issues, but both of us were breaking under the weight of the financial and emotional burdens L.A. was putting on us. We were young and starting to realize just how hard life can be. Motivation can only take you so far. The giant and monstrous doomsdays of life were beating down on us, and the monotonous Zemo was getting to us too. We had to deal with these things before moving to L.A., but it was a different story out here. We were religious in a notoriously non-religious city. We were young, naive, scared, and poor. We had superpowers, but no clue how to use them, and with that came anxiety, fear, and depression. I was working all the time. My passion drove me to go to my underpaying job, then go to school, and come home just in time to leave to meet up with my creative partners. This meant that my wife was at home, alone, trying to find clients as a graphic designer so she could earn enough that could pay rent and have just enough for a cup of noodles. Day after day, month after month, year after year. This took its toll. Both on her and me. But that's the thing about marriage. My story is my story, but not mine alone. It wasn't my time to figure out how to use my superpowers. It was hers. We were ready to throw in the towel. We sat down as husband and wife and talked about our goals. We both wanted to be in L.A. We both wanted to make an impact on the world, but we couldn't take it anymore. So we decided before giving up and moving back in with her parents in Utah, we would give it one last run. One final push of everything, the last bit of energy we could muster. That day was June 1st. We told ourselves if our situation was the same by July 1st, we would give up and move on. Well, as it turns out, one of my wife's superpowers is faith. When I came home from work on June 22nd, my lady, my gal, my Lois Lane, my everything, had gotten a job for the same company that made the comics that brought me here. DC Universe. Game changer. A couple of months later, my inside woman got me an interview and I got the job. The beginning of the rest of my life was about to start. With my very own Lois Lane, I worked for DC Comics, including content that profoundly impacted me as a kid. Comics, cartoons, movies, and more. This was my dream. My step five, conviction. The moment that made me a hero wasn't so much a single moment as a series of moments while working at DC. My role was to be a content strategist. Essentially, we had the content. What should we do with it? 
How would we use it? What would be highlighted? How would we introduce people to stories and characters they don't know that they would love? How do we get them to read or watch or comment or anything? Figuring out how to answer these questions was my job. I was over the moon about it. This was the first time I had influence over the stories that impacted me growing up. Millions of people knew these characters. Millions of people read and watched the content I was working with. Finally, I could make a difference. I could see it so clearly. Someone logs onto the DC Universe website. They are looking for something to watch. And because of something I did, a specific cartoon catches their eye, and they watch it for the first time. They immediately fall in love with the characters, they take the lessons they learn from this new cartoon, and it changes their lives forever. Boom! I did it! I just changed the world for the better. How was I going to do this? I was going to use my superpower of passion. I watched the content. I read the content. I studied the DC universe like I never had before. I became an absolute expert. I was more committed than the person next to me at all times. The passion for superheroes fueled my, by my childhood determined my actions both during work and outside of it. I not only became an expert at work, but it also started to shape how people saw me. I gained a reputation among my friends for being the superhero guy. I started a podcast with a friend called Nerd Critic, where I was the nerd because of all of my knowledge and love for all things comic books. I was a full-grown adult man who spent his days reading comic books and getting paid for it. My passion made me more equipped to get people to read and watch superhero content than anyone I personally knew. Turns out, it's not that easy. You see, the platform was working, that I was working on, DC Universe, was an 18-plus platform. It was only for adults, die-hard, comic book reading, and sometimes toxic fanboy adults. Over time, I realized I had minimal impact, if any, at all. I was literally in charge of the strategy behind the content that changed my life as a kid, and I couldn't use that power for good. My passion seemed to be doing nothing. Passion does very little at influencing people who have already their minds made up. Which, to put it politely, is comic book fanboys. I could work every hour of every day. I could shout my love for these stories from the rooftops. None of it seemed to make a difference. It took a couple of years, but eventually I felt that my time at DC needed to come to an end. It broke my heart to admit that my future there was limited. But I could see an end in sight and thought I would prepare for it. It wasn't long after admitting that to myself that an opportunity at the big new streaming service, HBO Max, came knocking. This job took my superpower of passion, gave it direction, and established my purpose. Before I go on, I ask you to follow me on a slight tangent. When I first came out to Los Angeles, I was driven by the idea that stories can change people's minds. I wanted to be the person to bring meaningful values to blockbuster movies. I believed that the best way to change the world was to help as many people as possible to tap into their natural human empathy. By making a blockbuster movie, viewed by millions, that shares the perspectives of others in a meaningful way, I could help the audience feel and grow empathy for that perspective. I still believe that the way to overcome racism and hatred is to embrace genuine empathy. So that was my mission in coming to L.A., I would go to film school and, using my privilege and charisma, or what I call passion, I would give a voice to the voiceless. I would fight for those who can't fight for themselves. I would be 
Well, Superman. Looking back at myself, having now moved to Los Angeles and tried to make it in the film industry, I think to myself, oh, honey, you sweet little naive child. Coming to Los Angeles was hard. I feel like I got chewed up, spit out, slapped around, and curb stomped. And I'm one of the lucky ones. Even after I was fully employed and the stresses of the city were minimal, I still found that having an influence over the perspectives of others was, well, near impossible. It felt personal, like something was working against me. As luck, uh, as lucky as I got in the short amount of time, it still felt like the city of angels wasn't so heavenly. Why this tangent? Well, when I came to LA, this childlike conviction around empathy was about as much of a driving influence on my life as it had ever been. But after a couple of years of my inner child getting, getting beaten, I started to protect it. I did what most people do. I silenced my inner child so he would never get hurt again. But by never allowing myself to view the world with the hope of a child, I ensured I would never get chewed up and spit out again. The problem with this, I lost my purpose. I came out to LA to change the world. That is a desire driven by my inner child. It's a pipe dream that only a naive kid would think is possible. But that belief is what made all of the fear and anxiety trying to make it in the big city worth it. When I lost that dream, I felt like it wasn't even remotely possible. I found myself also lost and confused. Why would I go through all this disappointment, fear, lack of money, and stress if I know I'm not if I'm just going to be disappointed on the other side? The childlike qualities of hope and optimism, the stuff that fueled my superpower of passion, were being replaced with cynicism and pessimism. And during this time, the big city decided to double down and introduce the year that would go down in infamy, 2020. Now, I realize I have lived a very blessed life. 2020 was no exception. I didn't get COVID and no one close to me died. I'm a blessed man and incredibly grateful for it. 2020 impacted my life by taking any hopeful qualities I had left and putting them through the ringer. Reminder. I came to L.A. to tell stories that would inspire empathy. What's something that we saw very little of in 2020? Empathy. The con constant news about masks, vaccines, Donald Trump, and locks, lockdowns sucked any optimism out of my soul. Follow that up with the civil injustices, riots, and murders, and hope eventually felt like a quality that only existed in fiction and fairy tales. The reality of trying to change the world in 2020 flew right by impossible and landed into laughable fantasy. That is, until my superpower of passion was given direction and purpose. In July of 2020, I got a job with HBO Max, the fastest growing streaming service in the world at the time. My job was similar to what I did at DC. I was a content strategist for the kids and family content. I know, HBO usually doesn't scream kids and family, but the content was excellent. Cartoon Network, Sesame Street, Scooby-Doo, and believe it or not, DC Comics. Yep, HBO and DC are owned by the same parent company, meaning what I thought I was leaving behind actually followed me, only this time I was speaking to kids. My time at HBO Max was life-changing. 
Every day I was working on characters and content that would be seen by millions of children. I watched cartoons and talked to kids about what TV shows they liked. I studied how kids watch TV and I looked at what was important to them. What characters are they connected with and why? I was showing them characters they knew and loved and got to introduce them to characters they didn't even know about, but made an impact on them. And through all of this, I learned something. Kids rock. Kids are funny and a blast to be around. They love you just because you're human. They assume the best and love everything around them. They are hopeful, humble, and optimistic. They want to learn, and they look at everything and everyone to teach them. They play make-believe, and they know that they can be anything that they want. They naturally fight for the underdog and refuse to believe they will ever lose. They know what makes them happy, and they invite that happiness into their lives every chance they get. They have friends, best friends, and nemesis. Nemesis. Nemesis? Nemeses? They aren't afraid to show love or be vulnerable. They love to laugh, and they don't care what others think about them. That quality is taught. And let me tell you, based on the things kids watch on TV, they care about one thing. Adventure. They have big dreams and want to see kids, or talking animals, on screen that go after those dreams. They want to explore the world around them because they are excited about the possibilities of the unknown. It's not until the unknown bites them a couple of times that they become scared of it. Kids are full of qualities that lead to happiness that are chased away by the world. Just like how kids throw tantrums when they don't get what they want, we become jaded and cynical when we don't get what we want in life. It was this realization that gave my passion direction. My step six, alignment. Realizing that adults are so difficult to influence or teach empathy to was my Uncle Ben moment. It was devastating. Realizing that I could have the influence I wanted with kids, my alignment. Falling into kids and family content was the event that made me worthy of my hammer. I tried to influence adults through characters they knew, know and love, but my influence meant absolutely nothing to them. The ripple effect I was hoping to have on the world felt like a pebble in the ocean. My time at HBO Max made me realize just how stubborn adult minds can be. But kids... Kids are ready and willing to learn. They want to see other perspectives and learn about the world. Their minds aren't made up. They are forming their opinions every day and changing them the next. They are humble, teachable, and reachable. It was me realizing this impact that gave my great powers their newfound responsibility. Through my influence, I could help kids learn to be great adults. I could bring families together through stories of fun, adventure, excitement, and laughter. This is my why. This is my origin story. This discovery was life-changing for me. This passion for helping kids understand empathy through stories is so strong that it sent me back to school. I hate school, but I knew I needed a little more training if I was going to have the influence I was hoping for. Superheroes changed my life as a kid. Now I want to use characters to change kids' lives all around the world. I joined a company called Cyber Civics where we teach kids how to have healthy relationships with technology. I do a podcast for them called The Parent's Guide to What Kids Watch to help parents understand the power of media in their kids' lives. All of this is driven by me holding on to uh, what makes me a big 6'2", 260-pound, superhero-loving man-child. <sighs> 
I choose to see life through the lens of a superhero because it has brought clarity and hope into my life. Believe it or not, I really do view myself as Superman. I am a powerful man with more potential than anyone will ever know. I am responsible for protecting and serving those around me by giving them hope in a better world. I'm trying to create a better future by helping shape kids through the media they consume. It's what makes up my superhero persona. Now, there is a critical difference between using the lens you look through to ignore the realities of the world and using it to help you make sense of the world. Many people are quick to judge this way of thinking as a way to uh, forget what's going on around me. To push aside the hard things I don't want to deal with. I've been accused of being immature or naive based on this superhero lens. I've tried to be really careful in how I approach my perspective on life, and I have found that happiness comes when we have optimism and hope. However, I have also found that the world mistakes cynicism for maturity. I fear that most of us don't know the difference. 